1: Welcome to In The Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto. We have a great show on tap for you. But first, I wanted to talk to you briefly about us attending some hard energy conferences. If you've never attended one of these conferences and you are looking to build your networking or lead generation, these are conferences that you just do not want to miss. The uh, two conferences that are coming in November... Um, Shell Magazine will be there, and I encourage you to come and say hello to our booth and sign up for our great drawing, which we will be giving away plenty of prizes. But I wanted to cover them real quick because we do have a coupon code to give you $100 off these amazing conferences. The first one is in Midland, Texas. It's the Executive Oil Conference, November 6th and 7th. Uh, we will have a booth out there please come by say hi make sure you sign up for one of our great drawings Uh, we actually have a hog hunting giveaway for in south texas so you don't want to miss the opportunity to sign up for that hunt as well as coming and saying hi to our booth once again that's the executive oil conference midland texas november 6th and 7th also please be sure to join us in San Antonio, Texas for the Heart Energy Doug Conference, which will be going on November 15th through the 17th. We hope you will join us. But let me also, though, give you the promo code that you will need if you want to attend either event, which we will be at both. Save yourself $100 using this promo code. It's O-G-M-A-G 17. Again, that is O. G M A G 17, or just go to shellmag.com and click on one of their ads and their promo code is right there. You can save yourself a hundred dollars, but now it's time for our resident energy expert and associate editor of shell magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: You know, one of my favorite things all week long is to get you on the show. Because I know that there's it's one of my so... favorite things too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just always there is so much always going on every week pertaining to oil, gas, politics, you name it, and um, you know uh, it. It can it it can at times seem so overwhelming because there's so many things changing, uh, you know, instantly or in a flash. It's hard for the average person to understand and make sense of what's happening. Oil and all in gas and I love having you on the show because you break it down in a way that we can all understand. And so that being said, I want to get to the rig count because last week, the rig count actually fell by four. Uh, but in Texas, it actually went up. So what do you think is going on? Uh, and what do you think is going to go on in the next couple of
2: weeks? Yeah, well, of course, you know, uh, a change in the rig count of four when when the rig counts over 900 is just kind of noise of the system, but it was interesting that it went down nationally but uh, went up by five in Texas, and of course, you know, those five were out in the Permian Basin and in the Eagle Ford Shale where the economics for drilling these wells is just better than anywhere else in the country. And so it's, it's really not surprising that we get more rigs down here in Texas, and the other place that actually uh, had added two rigs was the Scoot stat in in central Oklahoma, where the economics are really good, too. So you had a loss in other parts of the country, but uh, Texas and Oklahoma um, uh, saw a, a little small increase in the rig count. But uh, going up uh, by anything was, was good after the previous month, where we had, you know, down 45 over a period of about five or six weeks. So that was encouraging, and I you know, I just think it, it just means more of the same in the coming weeks. Probably we're just going to see a fairly static rig count uh, through the end of this year and then uh, wait and see what companies do with their budgeting processes for 2018.
1: Right. When those come out, I think it kind of shows how much activity is going on. But meanwhile, Brent uh, crude went up over 60 for the first time in many many months and wti was about 54 or so so what does this mean for global demand or supply and demand uh for oil is it balancing
2: yeah i think it is i think we're getting real close to to having supply and demand balanced globally i think uh you know i'm not the only one there are a lot of people speculating that that's the case not just because the price is strengthening but because inventories of crude and storage has fallen dramatically the last few weeks here in the United States and elsewhere, uh, even at a time when, you know, the United States has been importing even more oil than previously. And so, you know, those uh, with, with those inventories going down, uh, and the other, the other thing, too, is that uh, the International Energy Administration announced that they were raising their estimate of, of global demand uh, over what they had previously estimated for 2017. And that's another really good sign. And uh, the, the reality is that the U.S. economy is heating up. We've had two straight quarters now, right. 3% economic growth. Go Trump. Uh, <laughs> right. And the, the Chinese economy is heating up. And the and reality is that the economies globally, uh, the economic situation is dramatically improved. From, from where it was about a year ago and that just means as you know with more economic activity there's always going to be more demand for petroleum products and and so that's just created a more rapid i think rebalancing of this market than people were anticipating six months ago and uh, you know this is a positive sign going into next year.
1: Well, we've certainly been up and down and all around for two years. But What does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> what does this mean for 2018? And, and and what I mean is, you know, U.S. shale North America, um, will they be activating these large numbers of drilling rigs again and lowering the price again like they did in uh, 2017 or, you know, in the past they put a whole lot of rigs drilling in it? Yeah and it drove down prices. So are we going to see a repeat of that in 2018 if prices start returning?
2: Oh, boy, I hope not. Uh, I don't think so, and here's why I don't think so. I mean, you're right. Uh, When we came into this year, companies, you know, implemented really robust drilling budgets in January, and really within the first two months of the year it activated 200 additional drilling rigs. Um, but you know what we've seen this year is is recoveries from each well improving dramatically, even above where they were just a year ago, and I think what that probably is going to mean is we'll we'll see uh, more rigs activated after the first of the year as we get into the new new year of drilling budgets, but there it won't be nearly what we saw this year because companies are able to get so much more out of each well now. Um, and just through improvements in technology and drilling practices, um, that I think, you know, we'll probably see more rigs, but it won't be two to 300. Like we saw in the first quarter of this year, it'd be, you know, somewhere maybe around a hundred in the first quarter next year, all of the things be equal. And, and that's good. You know, it will be more jobs, but, uh, The reality is there's so much pressure on these companies to still, you know, from their investors to increase return on investment. And there's more pressure in that realm than there is to increase overall production at each of these companies that, you know, we're going to see higher drilling budgets next year, but it's not going to be the same kind of pressure we saw at the first part of 2017. And that's you know that's again that's a positive for our industry here in the United States.
1: Well, and and hopefully there was a lot of lessons learned by the energy industry that probably no one wants to go back to these. What was it, thirty four, thirty eight? Um, oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> so uh, drill, but drill um, appropriately in reference to how much is coming on the market too quickly. Um, I want to change gears just a little bit and ask you about the exporting of U.S. oil. It continues to rise. Um, It's now approaching about 2 million barrels per day. But I also saw a report that says our country is also importing more and more oil to meet its needs. So how can we be exporting and importing? Uh, These things are going up at the same time, and that's confusing. What's going on here?
2: It is kind of confusing, isn't it? Uh, And it's It's because of of, uh, kind of a nuance in our situation with refining, the refining industry, and the fact that the increased production we're seeing out of the Eagle Ford and Permian Basin of all this uh, West Texas Intermediate sweet crude, light crude, uh, doesn't match the capacity at a lot of our refineries along the Gulf Coast that were set up mainly to, to refine heavy crude coming down from Canada and coming from overseas from the Middle East. So what's happening is as, as production continues to grow out in the Permian and then Eagle Ford Shale, that oil, uh, a lot, you know, increasing volumes of, of oil coming from those areas is being exported to countries and mainly to other countries in the Western Hemisphere who have refineries set up to, to refine this light, sweet crude oil. And at the same time, Demand is growing in the United States, and so our refineries along the Gulf Coast are having to import more and more of this heavy crude from countries like Venezuela and Saudi Arabia and Iraq and Iran um, and, and other countries in the Middle East. So it's just mainly because you know our our technology at our refineries doesn't necessarily match what what's being produced here in the United States. So it's it's a it's a healthy situation though, but thank God. Thank God, two years ago, uh, the industry was successful in convincing Congress to repeal that ban on exports of crude oil from the United States. Because if that hadn't happened, it would have really inhibited the growth of production in in Texas over the the last couple of years.
1: So all those things needed to happen. And and I do remember it is kind of confusing when you look and and recognize, well, it was only just a couple of years ago that we were uh, allowed to export our crude and prior to yep. that, we weren't. So this is some of the uh, importing, exporting that's going on. It's a little confusing, but it's all good that we're allowed to do, or we're able to do both, should I say. David, that's all the time we have this week, but look forward to catching up with you next week, in which I'm sure we will have a lot more to discuss on oil and politics and energy.
2: i look forward to it.
1: And with that, we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
0: You know, great companies take great care of their employees. Ensure the well-being of your workforce with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you our mobile health unit delivers on-site state-of-the-art comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired till the day they retire from pre-employment screenings to routine immunizations to on-site injury care and more trust baptist healthy solutions with your workforce health care needs health care that comes to you call 866-334-2485 again That's 1-866-334-2485.
1: And you are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Congressman Babin of the 36th District. Congressman Babin, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show.
3: Great to be with you, Kim.
1: You know, I I feel honored that you've stopped for a few minutes to give us a a quick interview because uh, as we're speaking today, there's a lot of things changing in D.C. pertaining to tax, Plan. Of course, we've had the shooting, so I want to jump right into your district is a 36th district, which is in the Houston area. Tell me briefly what district you cover um, in Houston.
3: Absolutely. I represent southeast Harris County in Houston all the way over to Louisiana to Orange County and then up the country to Jasper, Newton, Tyler and Polk counties. And uh, all in all, we have nine counties. Uh, and uh, we ha- we're absolutely uh, one of the epicenters of energy production and refining uh, in, the- in the country. Uh, in fact, I have more uh, petrochemical refining facilities than any other district in the nation. I also represent four big ports. One uh, well, of the big one, of course, is the port of Houston, but I also represent port of uh, Beaumont, port of Orange, and the port of Cedar, uh, Cedar Bayou uh, in Baytown. Uh, And we just got hit by a terrible, terrible hurricane, as you know, Hurricane Harvey, uh, probably the most expensive storm in the history of the United States. Uh, And we're still trying to recover from that.
1: Let's talk about Harvey. I mean, um, you know, we we did uh, make our way down to Houston, obviously. We also made our way into uh, Rockport, and devastation is everywhere Um, for sure in Texas, but your district in Houston, obviously all roads lead to Houston pertaining to energy. It's an important city when we talk about energy um, and, and for the world, and especially for the United States. So, you know, we know that FEMA has extended the deadline, but I'm curious to see how has your uh, district bounced back, would you say the majority of uh, the operators, uh, refineries and service companies, and even the ports, um, are they uh, up to speed? Have they recovered? Are you guys still in a major process?
3: We're still in the process. Uh, the the uh, facilities that were down because of the hurricane are now back up and running uh and trying to uh get back up to the uh you know their full capacity some of them have already done so in fact most of them have uh and yet uh, there are still some uh, some real problems there we've had shoaling or siltation uh, from all of the uh floods that have emptied into uh the various ports that we have port of beaumont port of houston uh that are shallowed up, shoaled, so that uh, it's it's put a restriction on on some of the vessels and the numbers of vessels that can come in, and so we're trying to get uh, get our infrastructure fixed there. We need we need some more uh, supplemental uh, disaster funds to help uh, the Corps of Engineers and these various port authorities to be able to to dredge and and maintain the, uh, their depth. Uh, So that we can we can uh, continue to get these vessels in and out of these ports. Uh, Again, we saw where many of our refineries uh, and plants were down uh, because of the storm. Some of them for uh, several weeks. Uh, And we saw what happened to the price of gasoline. I I mean, I think absolutely, Kim. We saw the price of gasoline spike. You know, twenty twenty-five cents, thirty cents in some cases, maybe even more uh and so it it just shows how important it is our region and uh that's why it's so so important And our governor uh in texas and our our delegation uh from texas as well up here in washington are working really overtime to get these funds these disaster uh, funds uh, so that we can re uh recoup our losses rebuild our infrastructure and uh and put people back to work. Uh, and, and of course, this this is we're just talking the economic and and the commercial end of, uh, of the damages that Hurricane Harvey did. The the real human damage, of course, is uh, all of the thousands of people who were flooded out, lost their their homes. Only fifteen percent had had uh, flood insurance, and uh, there are people that are still living in hotels. There are some that are in temporary housing. uh, And we still have a long way to go in some of our counties, Uh, Orange County, Jefferson County, uh, uh, parts of Harris County, Liberty County, lots of uh, Hardin County, lots of of areas are still having problems. uh, And it's going to take a while to get out of this, to to dig our way out, but I'm I'm very confident that we're going to come back and come back even stronger. Uh, and, And so, uh, this is, in fact, we're, we're, uh, we're going to be talking about another supplemental uh, package of funds, that uh, disaster funds, that, that will help Texas uh, probably within the next uh, several uh, days or next week or two. Uh, the sad part about it, this, this enormous storm, and I have the dubious distinction and honor of having the continental rainfall record for a single storm in my district. Which yeah. happened, uh, you know, in Cedar Bayou, uh, right outside of Baytown, Texas, of 51.88 inches, 52 inches of rain. That's and there's just some, amazing. There, oh, it's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You, Kendra, it is, and there's there's a couple of readings that are unofficial that are in excess of 60 inches of rain. Yeah. Um, and so it's it was a devastating it was a hard
1: storm, hit. Mm-hmm. and then followed it was
3: hard by hit. Maria, and followed by, by, by Irma, and then Maria. Uh, it's really, it's really hit uh, FEMA and our federal government and uh, local and state governments so, are uh, really a hard lick.
1: Well, one of the uh, uh, one of the meetings that we attended with Commissioner Sinton, and we had attended actually a facility a service company that had been hard hit by Harvey, and right. FEMA was there. It was a, a great opportunity for us to see them. Uh, giving resources to much needed areas and businesses to get them back online and and I do want to you know say that it was important that we remember all roads lead to Houston, And it's very important that we understand that when we don't have access, the refineries don't have the capability of getting the resources to market. We start seeing things like higher prices, and we also start seeing that we are running out of gas because people are panicking and going and getting all the gas instead of just bind like they normally would so it was a train wreck effect if you will but i do have to take a real quick break when we get back from break i want to talk about sutherland springs you are listening to in the oil patch radio show and we'll be right back the vision of the women's energy network is to be the premier organization that educates attracts retains and develops professional women working across the value chain Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Congressman Babin of the 36th District in Houston, Texas. Congressman Babin, before the break, we were talking about post-Hurricane Harvey and how your district as well as Houston are trying to rebound, but I wanna, change gears just a little bit and talk about something else that's near and dear to all of our hearts, and that is the shooting, the mass shooting that occurred in Sutherland Springs, Texas. Um, What are you hearing uh, in D.C.? And um, I know that some critics are already discussing gun control, which is completely an inappropriate time, but I want to get your thoughts on what's happening pertaining to uh, Sutherland Springs and your thoughts. Uh,
3: My my thoughts are... Terrible and horrible tragedy of a no good that should never have had a gun to begin with. Uh, the Air Force, I think, may have dropped the ball on this. I'm a former Air Force officer myself, uh, but this man uh, abused his, his wife, fractured the skull, from what I understand, of his own little uh, infant uh, step stepchild, and uh, was was given a dishonorable discharge. Uh, so I don't think he should have legally been able to own a firearm. Uh, and the fact that he attacked a church and evidently was going after his former in-laws, uh, possibly. I don't know all the details of it, but I do know uh, that uh, for the Democrats and those who are calling for more gun control, I think they're losing sight of the reason there were many more fatalities and killings and uh Involved in this in this horrible crime because he was stopped by a an armed uh, a citizen uh, who fired back and and apparently I still don't know the details yet but I think this is exactly what stopped this 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 maniac uh, from doing more harm and more damage so I I would just say this uh, we've got to keep guns out of the hands of crooks and criminals uh, of people who are uh, who we are psych- psychologically deranged? Um, we've got, to, we, you know, the, the mentally ill that, that, are, that should not own firearms. I think this is this is important. And this uh, this man had a criminal record, uh, a dishonorable discharge, and uh, he should not have had this gun to begin with. Uh, but I think it sh- it also demonstrates how important it is for law-abiding citizens to be able to own and bear firearms so that they can protect themselves and their loved ones, uh, from people like this, uh, taking everyone's gun away is not the answer because then, uh, when, when guns are, are gone, then only the bad guys are going to have the guns, uh, because they're going to get them. And, uh, so I think it's just important uh, and imperative for us here in Washington and other people, uh, uh you know, and, and, and state governments, uh, to maintain, we've got the Second Amendment is there for a purpose. Our founding fathers, you know, uh, I'm just so thankful to God for, for our founding fathers and how they had the vision uh, of, uh, of establishing this Constitution. And the very second amendment they had in the Bill of Rights was the right to keep and bear firearms because they know the importance of, uh, of being able to, uh, to defend ourselves from tyranny and from cr- criminality. Uh, so this was uh, a terrible thing. Uh, we seem to be seeing this routinely these days. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm greatly disturbed. I have 13 grandchildren, and I, I worry uh, about these types of things and terrorists coming in. Uh, this, this criminal thug was not a, not a terrorist, although he committed an act of pure terror. Uh, but we we have we have our problems on terrorism as well. We have op- we've had open border, porous borders. We've had uh, this uh, crazy uh, diversity visa program that, that allowed this right. to come in and kill these people up in New York City. Uh, we've had refugee programs that are tied to the U.N. Uh, who is who is the U.N.? Oh, my goodness, this is uh, one of the most inept organizations this is why less than 1% of the refugees we've had coming into the country have been Christian. The rest, uh, the, the Christians are the most persecuted minority group over there in the Middle East that the terrorists uh, love to uh, murder, rape, and, and uh, commit mayhem on. Uh, and so this is why I'm real disappointed uh, in, in our continuation in the uh, U.N. refugee program. We need, to, we need to make sure that people that come into this country are well vetted. And that there are going to be people who will uh, love America and appreciate what we stand for, and for the the last thing we need is a program that simply has a politically correct reason of diversity.
1: I completely agree with you on you know looking at the differences between uh, terrorism coming into the states and and individuals not wanting to assimilate and adopt our Constitution, which many of these individuals, refugees that are coming uh there our constitution is in direct violation to their beliefs which is so hard to believe that we would even want them to come to this country when they have no desire to assimilate and become americans and congressman with that we do have to take a quick break you are listening to in the oil patch radio show and we'll be right back
0: shale oil and gas business magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business so let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us info at shalemag.com.
1: Have you heard of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, the largest state association in the country? 87 years strong serving independence, and it's right here in Texas. Offices in Houston, Austin, and Wichita Falls. Over 3,000 members of all ages, like you, who are in the oil and gas industry or who have family members and friends who are. For a membership tailored just to fit your budget, contact Sandy Simon at sandis at texasalliance.org or call 281 997 And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Congressman Brian Babin of the 36th District. Congressman, before the break, we were talking about Sutherland Springs. Probably a discussion needs to occur on penalties when we look at other countries that have Severe penalties for committing murder and other crimes, death, and uh, uh, you know, cutting off their hands if you're going to be a thief. And I know America has never been known for that, but it seems as these things start, uh, as they've been escalating within time uh, over the years. This might be the time for us to not have specific discussions on gun control per se, because we clearly saw with Sutherland Springs that had had we not had the ability to protect ourselves as citizens, there would have been many, many more deaths. But more of the penalty and the punishment to deter such heinous crimes is what uh, I believe we should be discussing. But I do wanna switch gears and start talking about tax reform because it is huge right now. That is the discussion all over, uh, is this gonna pass? Uh, And so where are we with uh, tax reform? Um, What does it look like as far as passage? Uh, Talk to me about tax reform.
3: Uh, I'm, I'm very optimistic, Kim, that uh, we're going to pass uh, a tax reform package, at least in the House, in the House of Representatives where I serve. Uh, it is high time that Americans get a tax break. We have not had uh, a tax overhaul and a simplification of our tax code since 1986 during Reagan's administration. And since that time, the tax code has become so convoluted, so lengthy. Uh, So unbelievably complicated, it's twice as long as the Bible and doesn't have any of the good news. So it is absolutely time that we give tax breaks uh, to the job creators, to our corporations, to our pass-through, to sole proprietorships, uh, small businesses. Uh, This is is, is the backbone of our economy. Small business uh, is absolutely the backbone of the U.S. economy. Uh, the American working class, middle class workers and taxpayers uh, have not really had a, uh, a break in a long time. Uh, in fact, salaries and wages have gone in reverse. We have not gotten the uh, you know increases that we uh, were used to in, in, in our past history. Uh, we have shipped jobs overseas. The tax code is punitive against job creators. That's why a lot of this money has gone overseas. A lot of our jobs have gone overseas or across the border. And uh, it is time that we uh, give something back to the American people. The the middle class has been shrinking in America, and it needs to be growing. And I'm very, very happy to be in support of this tax uh, reform package that my friend and colleague from Texas, uh, Ways and Means Chairman Kevin Brady, uh, has worked on and his uh, Ways and Means uh, Committee have worked on so long and hard. And uh,
1: no.
3: I'm gonna support it. I'm gonna, there, there are some questions. We're still looking at some of the details. Uh, and uh, uh, there are some, there, I've made some suggestions to the, to the, to the Chairman Brady uh, concerning, uh, I'll give you an example uh, on the tax, uh, excuse me, on child credits and, ch- and child deductions. Uh, we want to encourage American uh, people to have children. We don't want to. We don't want to punish them for having children. We want to be able to have them. Uh, the government help them to write off uh, the cost of re- of rearing children.
1: Very good. Well, can you talk to me though quickly about the uh, highest income bracket? There's a lot of discussion that they will be. Uh, also saving, and and their taxes will decrease as well. So, can you talk to me a little bit about what that you think that might look like?
3: I can. Uh, the it was the, it was the decision of uh, those at the table, or to leave the upper income tax bracket at 39.6. Uh, quite frankly, I wanted everybody to. I think it would have been better for everybody to have a deduction or a lowering of their tax bracket uh nevertheless that's not what's going to happen with the upper the uppermost however uh with uh with these new with the new proposals and the and the contents of this tax proposal uh package everybody is going to wind up saving uh money on their taxes we're going to hire more people we're going to uh, encourage the buying of an expansion of businesses uh, I think it's going to wind up leading to increased wages. Uh, we've got a 20 plus trillion t trillion dollar national debt, which we are not going to. We, 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 there's no way possible that we can increase taxes enough or lower spending enough uh, to balance this budget and, and, and try to pay off this debt. It's going. To, we're going to have to grow our way out of this hole that we've dug ourselves into over the decades. Uh, of a $20 trillion plus debt, and uh, the, the, this tax package is a huge start uh, in trying to grow our way out. We've already seen in just the first nine months of uh, President Trump's administration, uh, we're up at 4% growth for these quarters and over 3% in the other quarter. Uh, we never got over two, I don't think, and most of the time it was less than two under the, the eight years of Barack Obama. Uh, who believed in big government and higher taxes, and so uh, I think we, we're already seeing you know, what happens when we get a, a, a person in the, in the White House that, that that knows that the ways of business and the economy and hiring people, uh, and the importance of, of, of fair tra- and free trade, uh, and lower taxes and less regulatory bureaucracy. We're, As a member of the House, I'm very proud to say we've we've, uh, passed 14 Congressional Review Acts, which has rolled back a ton of this needless, intrusive bureaucracy of of the Obama administration. And I think we're we're seeing the fruits of it. We've got a million people more working today. We've got uh, optimism at 16-year highs. We've got our stock market is hitting high after high. And, oh yes, uh,
1: record breaking highs. Uh,
3: record breaking. We've got a lot of things going on. If we can pass this tax reform uh, 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 legislation, we're going to see some real, real changes. Now, hopefully, it's going to go through the the Senate. Unlike uh, health care, we're 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 uh, we're optimistic though that uh, we can we can get this thing done. And let's put it. Let me just put it this way. Nancy Pelosi said, if we can stop the Republicans from passing this tax bill. We'll be back in the majority. I agree with her. We better get it passed. We better give the American people some tax relief and give them wage uh, increases uh, and increased jobs. That's, That's the biggest thing that we can possibly do for them, and that's what we intend to do.
1: Exactly. And with Congressman Babbin, with that, we do have to take a quick break. But when we return, I want to return to the conversation of President Trump and all the work that you guys are doing to roll back a lot of the past administration's regulations. You are listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
0: Farmers and ranchers are the hardest-working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three-and-six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit yamahaviking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study.
3: Oil Filled Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil filled equipment needs. Specializing in hard-to-find oil-filled parts for your fleet maintenance needs, oil-filled experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil-filled experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923.
0: Again, that's 210-240-7188.
1: And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Congressman Brian Babin of the 36th District. Congressman Babin, before the break, we were talking about all the work that the House has been doing to roll back a lot of regulation that was uh, in place from the past administration, the Obama administration. Uh, Our cover of Shell Magazine is actually covering President Trump's uh, administration, his views on energy, and some of the most important pieces of legislation that uh, are being reversed that would have definitely impacted in the most negative ways the oil and gas industry. Talk to me a little bit about some of the work that you think uh, you all have accomplished and he's accomplished pertaining to the oil and gas industry.
3: Well, you know, we've heard uh, a lot of po- folks criticize Congress for not doing enough, and, and, and certainly we could do a lot, lot more, Kim. But I'm proud to say that we have done some great things in the House of Representatives, and even some of that has gone through the Senate. Unfortunately, they not not enough. Uh, we have passed 14 congressional review acts that I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, rolling back a ton of this uh, – of bureaucracy and red tape that, that has come down from the uh, obama administration uh he's got some wonderful appointees to uh his cabinet positions and uh, the epa uh scott pruitt is one that comes to mind as well um uh, and and these these uh types of people that are sitting now in positions of authority are able to do exactly what Mr. Trump uh, is believes in, and that's less government. Let's get rid of some of these regulatory bureaucracy. And uh, I think I think it's it's paying off. We've seen uh, uh, a, a tremendous improvement in our economy over the last uh, eight eight or nine months of the of the uh, Trump administration. Uh, these are all part of why you know we, we're we're hiring more people. Uh, we, we're our, we, t- we mentioned the economy uh, really, uh, especially uh, looking at the, the stock market uh, hitting high after high and um, a million more people are being employed. So uh, it obviously is having a positive effect. And I'll give you one example uh, was Scott Pruitt at the EPA director, uh, his directive to, to terminate uh, this, what, what they call the uh, sue and settle. A practice that's been going on with environmental groups. And then on top of that, the House passed uh, what we call Stop Settlement Slush Funds Act, which is legislation to really do the same thing that Director Pruitt wanted to do. It'll officially end the abusive Obama-era practice of sue and settle <clears throat> that has served to enrich radical environmental groups at the expense of American taxpayers, that's American right. jobs, and American consumers. Uh, And a recent study found that this sue and settle deal by the EPA uh, alone uh, that that was uh, rolled back uh, uh, since 2005. It's cost taxpayers over $68 billion. And this money doesn't go to the actual victims uh, of these uh, of these abuses. They go to special interest groups and lawyers that are conveniently aligned with the political agenda of of these government bureaucrats and liberal uh, political appointees of uh, the Obama administration. And let me tell you something, Kim. Americans deserve better, and this bill is a step in the right direction. It will bring stronger transparency and accountability for all the federal agencies, not just the EPA.
1: That's definitely what we need, and I do believe we've covered this a lot, Congressman Babin, uh, in the oil patch about the – EPA settling with a lot of these large environmental groups. Um, Where was the money going and what is the is there a motive behind it with a lot of subsidies going towards alternative fuels? And, And as you get into the discussion, you start peeling back the layers. You start understanding that it it isn't that citizens or even our government is disinterested in protecting the environment. It's quite the opposite It is nothing more than a farce of attorneys suing the government and getting access to easy money by by suing the government, knowing that the government is not going to engage with them. And and the other part of it is, and and this is why we discussed this in in Shell magazine, is, you know, a lot of the stuff that President Trump is implementing now, rather it's by executive order, rolling back past executive orders, the water of America's would have definitely regulated the industry would have taxed it out of of where uh, it's profitable, like it is right now, with such tight oil prices. And then you, of course, have the EPA suing, but you also have the Paris Climate Accord that truly would have not been a great or uh, a benefit to the United States.
3: But it would have been a I disaster. Wanted, it would have, a it disaster. would have been a disaster.
1: True. Yeah. And I think the thing that I really want to point out is that just because there is a company organization that has uh, environmental slapped on their title. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are for the environment and everybody else is not because I have not met an oil and gas company yet that doesn't care about the planet they live on. And of course, water resources and maintaining the environment or and the air are important to all of us. And so as we start seeing this cleanup uh, that's occurring from overregulation uh, from the past administration, I think we'll start seeing but the real truth will start coming out on uh, or coming out and helping the uh, energy industry hopefully uh, lead us into this energy dominance that we're on this path. Right. But Congressman Babin, that's all the time that we have for today. I want to thank you for joining us. I know you have a very, very busy day with a lot going on in D.C. Thank you so much for taking the time. We look forward to having you back and keep up the great work for the citizens uh, in Texas and in Houston.
3: Absolutely. Thank you, Kim. It's great to be with you today.
1: Well, that's all the time we have for this show. Please be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch radio show or like us on Twitter at Shell Mag. That's going to wrap up another great show as we look forward to next week to bring you more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios.
0: In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bellato, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.